And I would just encourage everyone who's listening, follow those interests, follow those, because you will find things along the way that will fit in really well that you can get paid to do. And because you're so interested and curious and searching about it and eager to learn, those opportunities to earn will come. Hello and welcome to Taking the Lead, a podcast featuring conversations with the most accomplished, admired, and amazing female revenue leaders throughout B2B tech. Taking the Lead is hosted by Christina Brady, a sales leader, lifelong learner, and president of Sales Assembly. This show is brought to you by Sales Assembly, the industry's first and only scale-as-a-service platform that helps high-growth tech companies scale better, scale faster, and scale smarter. Visit salesassembly.com to learn more. And now, let's jump into the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Taking the Lead. I'm Christina Brady. I am the Chief Strategy Officer of Sales Assembly. And this episode is brought to you by our incredible sponsors, Vidyard, Blueboard, and Motion. Diving into Vidyard first, if you have not heard of them, it's time to catch up. They are the video platform that is built for business. Your sales reps, your client success reps, your BDRs, even your managers can use Vidyard to record videos that are going to grab the prospects and customers' attention better than any email. You can even create personalized video experiences. You can track the video performance analytics, and you can integrate that video data into your CRM for follow-up. As a sales leader, there is nothing better. They are truly the enterprise video platform for thousands of sales teams across the world. Check out Vidyard. Blueboard, if you have not heard of them, this is another one. You all have to find out about this. They are the world's leading experiential sales recognition platform, and they offer top reps their choice of hand-curated experiences. Skydiving, courtside tickets, Michelin star dining to five-star spa escapes. There is something for everybody. And what's making me think about Blueboard right now is a lot of the conversations I am having with sales leaders, executives, revenue leaders is what do we do about President's Club? The good news is Blueboard offers individual bucket list trips and luxury home goods. So if you're thinking of doing a flat payout in lieu of a Prez Club trip, think again. Blueboard can help you juice the creativity from Peloton bikes to swimming with whale sharks in Cabo. They have something for everybody. And lastly, there's so much uncertainty with what's going to happen to company culture in the coming months. So having an easy, affordable, and totally customized experience available to your employees That's what you need. Check them out at podcast.blueboard.com and get a free demo. And lastly, I save them for last. We could not produce this incredible podcast without our partnership with Motion. They are a podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams and excellence marketing teams in B2B tech. They launch podcasts just like this one, and they help create the audio, the video, and even written content out of every single episode. If you are thinking of starting a show of your very own, they are a must-have. You can find them at motionagency.io. And with that, I am so thrilled to introduce our incredible guest for today. You are going to fall in love with her just like I did. Nanette George, welcome to the show. Hello, Christina. It is so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely. And first, what I want to do is just dive into your professional journey a little bit, especially because it's pertinent to our topic, which I'll get to in a moment. But from being the senior manager of product marketing at Oracle to senior marketing manager at Cloud Factory, you're starting up your own podcast soon, which I think 
we definitely need to talk about a little bit. And now you're the director of PM at Electrify. Electrify. That's right. That's right. Electrify. I love it. I'm like, but I like the AI component in there. So tell us a little bit about you and some of your career journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I started out as a journalist. I thought I was going to be a writer for the New York Times. That was my aspiration as a kid. And I knew I wanted to write. I loved writing. Once I got into it, though, I realized it really wasn't for me. I wasn't the newsroom type. And I had a pretty strong opinion. And some journalists get to do that and have that opinion, but usually after they've had a whole career in something. And so I realized it wasn't for me. And I made what turned out to be a pretty meandering journey from journalism to public affairs, where I was advocating for issues on behalf of companies. And then I found my way into government where I worked in politics for a while. I was a speechwriter for two U.S. senators. Did that during, I was there during 9-11. A lot of big things happened when I was there. And that is actually where I learned about my real interest in audience, understanding your audience. And that is at the heart of product marketing. So I had a few little sparks along the way that led me to where I am, but I finally found where I belong. And it's in product marketing. It sits right between product and marketing, and you kind of have to be able to talk both, you have to be able to speak both languages. But I found my spot, like I found where I belong. It took me a little while, and I'll share with you now. I'm open about this. A lot of women aren't. I'm open about my age, and I feel like it's helpful for other women to know what this looks like. This is 50. This is 50. So tomorrow, yes. I turn 50 years old. <laughs> oh, Tomorrow's my birthday. birthday. Yes. It's amazing. Okay. And I feel like it literally took me five decades to land into what I really love doing. And now that I'm in it, I am fully able to leverage all my skills from all these different experiences that I've had into this, what essentially has been a new career for me over the last, I'd say, four or five years. And so I'm here to share with others who are interested in learning about what's that look like? What does it look like to make a change like that? And that's a pretty radical change because the first question I get in job interviews is, how did you end up here? <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. The inspiration is exploding out of me. And I love the embracing of, of your age because I think so many, especially yeah. women, it's seen as this sort of like scarlet letter of... Once you get over 30, once you get over 35, oh my God, when you hit 40. And I love this feeling that like your yeah. life is starting, your new life it's is starting. starting. Yeah. Yeah. I was always inspired by those people that I would hear, especially women, just because I think I identify that way. Right. So because I identify as a woman, I'm interested to hear what other women's experiences are. Right. So like I've heard other women talk about how want go back to school to become a nurse or a lawyer. I saw recently on LinkedIn where a woman and her daughter went through law school at the same time. And I just think that's it to go through life knowing that this is, we're just still at the front end of something really great. And knowing too, that being in the moment really matters. I don't know. My life is better since I just sort of decided age didn't really matter. I was just going to go after what I wanted and yeah. So I want to help others do the same thing. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're going to because I'm mm -hmm. lighting up. I want to dive in because the topic today, if all of you listening have not guessed, is career change. How do mm -hmm. we do that? Now, that can be the same industry. It can be a different industry. But especially depending on the level you're at in your career, it's unbelievably daunting and seemingly insurmountable. And you've made it feels that way. It does. You've made several career changes. How did you know? How did you do it? So I'll tell you what, there's a spark in every career change. There's something that happens in a meeting or an interaction you have with someone 
that just turns your interest in another direction. And that leads me because I want to leave three people with three key takeaways. And my first key takeaway is that your curiosity is your North Star. So, and I'll tell you what this spark I talk about, you know, you meet someone or you have an interaction that changes you. I was working in marketing communications. So I had already made the change from sort of writing and government into business. And I remember being in my first business meeting and hearing the term ROI and I didn't know what it meant. And I had to lean over and ask somebody, what does ROI mean? I love that. Which is a ridiculous thing. I would be terrified to ask that question now, right? But that's the thing. I think that curiosity, what is it that you want to learn about? So I met Ray Kurzweil, who was, for a time, he was VP of engineer at Google. He's a futurist. He's a renowned futurist, someone who really understands where the future in technology is going. He's got a lot of skills. Like, but He's made synthesizers for musicians. Like He's done a lot of really cool things, but he's what I would call a tinkerer, a brickler, someone who can tinker with a lot of different things. And I met him at a conference and he was speaking on the stage about his grandchildren and they were the same age as my kids at the time. So they were 18 months and two years and is that right? 18 months and maybe two and a half or three years old at that time. I was going to say, I'm like 18 months and two years. Yeah, that's really close. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I asked him a question. I said, at the end, I've got one question for you. And uh, he said, what is it? And I said, how do I prepare our kids for the future? Like, what can we do to help them prepare for the future of what technology is going to bring? And his face lit up. And so I touched on that spark for him by asking that question, like what, like his why, you know, the Simon Sinek, find your why, like it was his why. He leaned in and he smiled at me and he said, tell them to pursue whatever they love because all of it will be relevant in the future. All of it. And it's so true. He said, science, math, art, music, all of it will have some place in our future. And that day changed me. It got me on that path of curiosity. Like, what am I interested in? It is okay to just follow your interests. My parents told me that growing up, but it, I mean, deep down, I didn't really believe it. I felt like I had to have some amazing set of skills and that, you know, I'd have to go to school for four or five years to, to really understand something. But those days are, are gone. Those days have changed. It used to be that you did have to go to school or study under someone to do something, but you really can follow your curiosity, go after online learning that, that interests you, talk to people in the field who are doing the kinds of things you're interested in and bring that curiosity because that sort of reignites their spark the same way I did with Ray Kurzweil. I ignited something in him and he did in me. And it's in those moments that you realize, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. And it doesn't have to be fully defined. It doesn't have to be, you don't even have to be able to whiteboard it. Just follow your interests. Those are your breadcrumbs, right? If you're really interested in learning about Python, take an intro to Python course. If you're really interested in learning about product marketing, get on Coursera or get on uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn has amazing courses that they offer from experts. I've met a few of them who do their own courses. I've taken a few of their courses. And by the way, when I say meet, I've just met them virtually. <laughs> so we all meet each other now. I mean... Yeah, that's how we meet these days. But really just following your own inner voice to see what it is that interests you. Because the truth is, when we're learning something, if we're doing something we just feel like we have to do, it's going to be harder to do it. And 
But if you're interested in it and you want to learn more about it, it's amazing how far that will take you. And that's one of my key takeaways, I'd say. So like make your own curiosity your North Star. You know, it will guide you in making those decisions about where you want to go and what you want to learn. I mean, it's a beautiful message. Like you, I have always embraced the arts. And growing up, I grew up with two parents who were artists. My mom was the pianist of the Chicago Symphony. My dad was a world-renowned opera singer. And so so I danced, I ice skated, I painted. And when my mom would ask, what do you want to do? It switched from, I want to be an artist. I want to be an actor. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a sculptor. And never once did my mom say, well, you can be whatever you want as long as it's going to pay your bills, as long as it's going to be a doctor, as long as it's going to be a lawyer. I mean, she was very open about yep. embrace what you want to do and you will find a way to live what you love in any job. And that's what's key is, you know, right now I work in tech. I am a sales leader, but I'm also still an artist. I am also still somebody who embraces the arts. And so she was right. And that's right. The other thing you said that I thought was incredible was this idea that you don't have to have it all figured out. I have been having yes. so many conversations lately with people who say, I don't know where my career is going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have it figured out. That used to be me where I would say, okay, what's my next step? What's the five-year plan? I'm in this field. So like, what do I do in this field? Where do I go? And now I realize, so what? Nobody has it figured out and that's okay. That's okay. That's right. That's right. And sometimes when you get that question in a job interview, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> We don't know, right? Sometimes we don't know. And that's okay. I've been that person. I haven't known for a long time. And I'm still in that space. I have some people saying, oh, you'd be a great leader. You'd be a great manager of people. But I don't really see that for myself right now, this moment. And the great thing is you can choose whatever you want. You don't yes. have to have this other people put the label on what it is that you think you need to do because you have that freedom. You really do. Now we do have constraints. There are things in our jobs where we've got to do, there are parts of our jobs we don't like that much. There are parts where there are learning experiences happening, but they just don't interest us that much. And we'll still have to do them in our jobs. And that's okay too. But in that time you've got, and in the time that's your own time, and in the time that you're working for your employer, doing the job that you're doing, find ways to incorporate those interests, those things that make you special and that make you, that help you bring to the table something amazing for your employer. So yeah, I would say it is a tough time. And I think a lot of people right now are looking at making career changes. A lot of people are seeing that traditional job path is not really the right way for them. And now's a great time to be looking at what might be next. And and I would just encourage everyone who's listening, follow those interests, follow those, because you will find things along the way that will fit in really well, that you can get paid to do. And because you're so interested and curious and searching about it and eager to learn, those opportunities to earn will come. I love that. And you make an excellent point right now that there are so many people looking to make a career change. And what I would love to dive into with you is what are the drivers for that? Because I feel like a lot of the time, the only acceptable reason to make a career change is due to unhappiness or dissatisfaction, which is certainly valid. But in your opinion, it doesn't sound like every one of your career changes has come from this lack of satisfaction. It's come from that intense curiosity. So talk about some of the typical drivers and What's okay when it comes to making a career change? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think the drivers are external and internal. And I think right now there are a lot of external drivers. Some people are going back to an office after at least 18 months not working in an office. And some people are realizing they work better at home. Some are realizing they just work better in the office. And I think a larger percentage of folks are saying it's some mixture of those two things. And I would just say that, I mean, this has been a crazy time, especially for women and women who have families. Like I've heard people talk about how the pandemic leveled the playing field for women. And I disagree. Yeah. So do I. (laughs) Yes. Tell me why, please. (laughs) Because as a woman, I felt like we were all in the playing field. And then in the pandemic, suddenly all the players were standing all around me. They were all in my lap. Yeah. Like I, we got leveled. Yes. We got completely bulldozed. Right. (laughs) Right. I had work to do and I was in a house. We weren't sure how we were going to get our food together every week. I I have two relatively young kids. What's school going to look like? Everything was right here in front of me at home and I had to deal with it all the time. And so it just didn't tenable. I didn't something that was going to going to work. And yet I'm someone who likes to work at home. I like working at home because I have the freedom to sort of just be. But I think I'm also someone who likes to be in the office from time to time. But the pandemic has has sort of it's um the sort of inquiry for people about where we want to be, because it's, first of all, many people have lost people in their lives. So any kind of a loss like that forces you to think uh, a little bit more deeply about what's important to you. All of us faced the notion of mortality and our own mortality in the last year and a half. So it makes us start to think, how do I really want to spend this time? Like, how do I want to spend my eight or 10 hours a day? What do I want to be doing in my spare time? And we're becoming a little more intentional about how we spend that time. And I think that's a really good thing. So I would say, is there like, you were saying, is there, your original question, is there like a pathway? Is there some like catalyst for that? And I think that is different for every single person. I think each person will know, you'll feel it, because just like when I was speaking with Ray Kurzweil, I felt something, something changed for me. And when you feel that and you know something, you want something to be different in your life, listen to it, listen to it. Don't push it aside, listen and just find small ways. Even if you start small, find small ways to connect with what interests you, whether it's picking up a book. I find the best thing for me is to interact with people. So interacting with people in who do the kinds of things that I'm interested in doing, even if they're they're um, not doing exactly what I want to do, they're in that field or they're solving some of those same problems. That brings me to my second key takeaway, which is connect with an expert in your field of interest. So mine is a PhD data scientist in the UK. He and I met at a company we worked at and I would connect with him about marketing content. He was our audience essentially for our company. We were selling to data scientists among others, but I wanted to know everything about it. And as I got into it, I got more and more interested in how data science underpins so much of technology that we have today and that we're building today. And bottom line, he and I would meet once a week to talk. After he left that role, we kept meeting. And then he and I both were gone from that job and we keep meeting. So every Saturday we get together to talk about data science and machine learning. And this is the what's turning into the podcast because we've realized that so many people want to know about data science and some of these topics. And we want to talk about them, that career path to it. What does it look like? 
what's the work look like and so forth. But when you connect with an expert in your field or the field of interest for you, you get a chance to taste some of what that's like. And you're going to hear the stuff they don't like about it, which is great because you get to see what is it that fits for me here? And then what is it that, you know, which of these challenges can I feel, do I feel like I can deal with and maybe even be inspired by? So anyway, we meet every week, like I said, but he was a helpful guide for me in choosing classes to take online and saying, you know, I thought about taking an intro to Python course. I was like, data scientists and machine learning engineers, they use Python all the time. I feel like I should know it. He said, all right, take it, do it. But remember, you don't have to become a coder. And what I took away from the class were a few key takeaways about what the stress is for a coder when they're putting something together. They're drawing from all of these massive data pipelines and libraries and working with algorithms and some really powerful tools that are out there. They can make mistakes and it's stressful. And one one character off in Python can cause you to run up a bill in AWS that you don't want to pay. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> that alone was a really good takeaway for me because I know now as I'm preparing uh, marketing materials and, and messaging that's going to go to data scientists and machine learning engineers, hey, we get it. We get this is stressful. We get that this is a lot of hard work and a lot's riding on it, right? So every single thing that I've learned along the way, he's helped guide me to see, is this something that's worth my time, you know? So an expert in your field can help. And by the way, we traded because I'm helping him think about his... I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? It can be a trade. So... It should be. I'm helping. Yeah. I'm helping him think about his presence online and how he interacts with people. He's building an audience. He's a thought leader in data science and in all kinds of different... He's a tinkerer as well. He's someone who works with software and hardware. And... So it's really useful to connect with people along the way who share that interest and who love your energy because that and who you are, because that will keep you together. You'll continue to grow and learn together. And then he has introduced me to a lot of other people in the field. I've done the same with him. So we have just, we both get something out of it. But I would say connect with people in, in your field of interest, learn as much as you can, interview them, ask them. And that curiosity you bring, just like I with Ray Kurzweil, when I leaned in and asked him that question, he knew oh, we're thinking about the same thing here. And uh, both sides have something to share. I love that. And I think too, that's big, especially because when you think about B2B SaaS, B2B tech, one thing that we always say to the point where it almost becomes buzzy is, oh, network, network, network. But the reality is when you work at these companies, whether it's a startup or a global organization, it's engulfing yeah. and it's all encompassing. And this idea mm -hmm. of network is like, yeah, it becomes this thing like, no, I know I know, I should exercise, like I'll put it over here. And so especially yeah. if you are somebody who says, no, I, I genuinely want to as a part of my career journey, whether it leads to a change or not, which in some cases in yours, it has, because that sparked that curiosity. How yeah. do you actually do that? Like, how do you actually go find somebody in your field of interest? Is this like a cold LinkedIn outreach? Is this like find a secondary connection? How does the normal person do that? Yeah. So I would say that's such a great question. I would say just look everywhere and you'll know it. It's the same thing we do in machine learning. We're looking for signal. We're looking for, we're taking all this data. And we're trying to figure out, is there something here? Where's there like something going on? I would say search your LinkedIn connections, pay attention to your connections have. Sometimes those are a little more opaque on LinkedIn, but you can usually see if it's a second degree, you can reach out to someone. People in your job, people in your work, probably this is probably the easiest one because if there's an area of your company 
where they're doing some cool things that you want to know more about, connect with someone over there and do it strategically too. Someone who understands who you are, someone who smiles at you when they talk to you, that just shows like, this is someone who understands you, someone who's interested in you. For me, I found I was really interested in the technical side. I understood the marketing side and the communication side, but I needed to dive more into the technical side. So I went to one of our technical solutions architects at Cloud Factory, and I, which is where I was working at the time. And I said, I want to learn more. Would you help me? And can I meet with you once a month for lunch? I offered to take him to lunch, but to be honest, he took me to lunch every time. Like he always treated me, but he would let me talk to him. And it wasn't a formal mentoring relationship. I didn't want it to have that pressure. I just wanted to learn from him and he was all in. And when someone is interested in your field, you want to help them along. I mean, many of us do, not all of us perhaps, but that's what I found was people who wanted to help me. Oh, and by the way, along the way, you'll also find people who doubt you. So don't underestimate that there will be people and there still are. They'll look at my resume and they'll, they'll think, you don't have an MBA. So I don't have a, an MBA, a master's of business administration, which is typical for product marketing, certainly ahead of product marketing. And nowadays, even people who are product marketing managers have MBAs. There will be detractors. There will be people who you meet who aren't in your in your corner. And I would just say, listen to what they say. Because those are the same kinds of objections that you'll hear in job interviews, in uh, conversations you have with people who may doubt your credibility. And so don't let that get in the way because your learning and your interest will grow over time. And that is enough. It actually is enough to continue and learn. You don't have to take a traditional path. And I have found plenty of people who love working with me knowing that all of those other experiences, having written speeches for senators, having worked with a company that was rolling out a product and had some concerns about how it would be received by the public, how do you message that sort of thing? I mean, all of these varied experiences now in product marketing, I know how to lock and load with that buyer. Like, who are they? What do they care about? What are they interested in? Where do they read? What are they consuming online? You know, what kind of content? What are the biggest challenges for them? And these are all things you can learn from just reading in your spare time about it and asking those experts in the field. But I would say, listen to the detractors, hear what their objections are and learn how to overcome them. That's similar to sales. Yeah, it's big. And one thing that I want to touch on that you mentioned is this idea of an MBA sort of being like the, you got to have this to do this job. And thing is, I think being able to have an MBA and having the privilege to get and pay for and go through a resource like that is wonderful and no doubt helpful in your career. But it's also what I call a diversity hurdle, Yes, where a lot of times we take candidates who are not the typical MBA candidate and say they can't do this job because they don't have this thing without realizing that in their lives, based on their race, their culture, where they mm -hmm. live, their financial status, even their sexual orientation, Absolutely. they don't have the access to that, which doesn't mean they couldn't do it and doesn't mean they can't be incredible mm -hmm. assets. Some of the best employees in the world That's right. that I have worked with, the smartest and most strategic people right. didn't have the capability to do that. Yep. And they were still wonderful. So yep. check your bias in this one, big time. Yeah, absolutely. And you will meet people who don't believe that. It's okay. It, yeah. You don't have to convince them. Don't right. bother. Just take the, take the objections, understand what they're saying, and, and any key takeaways that you feel might actually help you hone your own approach, use it to your advantage. That's not the kind of person you want to have as a mentor. 
Like, or as someone you touch base with necessarily all the time on things. I've even had managers one level removed above me who didn't really believe I could do it. You know, like it's, and you'll have that sometimes. You'll have people who don't think it can be done, but it can be done. It, and it, it's never been easier, in fact, to do it. Or it's, not, it's getting easier. I wouldn't say it's easy, but she really can learn what she want to learn. There are ways to do it out there. Some of them we've talked about already. Yeah. I love it. And kind of along those same lines, and just speaking of kind of levels and where we're at. And the last thing I want to dive into with you is making a career change at different stages in your career and different roles of seniority. So as an individual contributor, if I'm an SDR or a BDR, or mm -hmm. I am a teacher or a barber or somebody who wants to get into tech, that is one way to make a career change. And it comes with all of the complexities. But at your level, you're making career changes as a career practitioner of what you were doing. You are making a change as an executive. What are some of the nuances of making a change at that level in your career for people who are VPs or directors or executives in any way? Now you have to make a career change. Yeah. The obvious thought that people think is I have to start all over again, right? I have to start at the bottom because I made it all the way up to here. I was Icarus and flew too close to the sun and I was, you know, C-suite or VP and now I want to make a career change. I want to change industries. Oh my gosh, I have to start back at the beginning. So in your experience with the changes that you've made, what does that look like? I would say, so I made some of my changes earlier before I got into a director role and started that learning journey. But I'll tell you, here's what it really looked like. I stayed at the same level, technically at the same level. For me, it was about five years as I learned as much as I could about data science and machine learning, which are my two interests. So I would say it doesn't have to look like the way everybody else, what you've seen other people do. It doesn't have to look the same as what you've seen others do. If you are in a director or executive role and you're making a change, one of the ways you can do it is to find a place that is steeped in your interest. Maybe it is that, right? Like, they are really good at what you're interested in and you can bring to them value in what you already offer, but you're going to be learning as you go about this other area of interest for you. So look for companies or opportunities that provide that chance for you to expand your skill set from the seat you're in. Be in those meetings where you're hearing them talk about it. For me, that was machine learning. I had to get, and it's why I left Cloud Factory, which is an amazing company, they provide a workforce that prepares data for machine learning. It's a perfect example for what you're asking because I wanted to get closer into machine learning, but we weren't building machine learning at Cloud Factory. We were just assisting people who were building machine learning by annotating that data, right? So I got to perish as someone who worked on the marketing team and mostly I was writing content. I would write content, so I got to interview those clients. I get to parachute down into all these different use cases, autonomous driving, NLP, natural language processing for fintech. So taking loads and loads of data and being able to find patterns in the data. And so I would just ask all the questions, learn as much as I could. I would write client success stories. I would write blog articles about it. I would come to my manager and say, hey, I think this makes a really good topic. Can we do this? This might make a really good ebook. And Always the answer was yes. But there again, I had a great manager who brought me into the business there. But I would say, build where you're at. Don't worry about making a huge change, right? But if you're not in a place, that you, like what you're doing isn't what you want to do and what the company's doing isn't really your big interest, 
find those companies that are doing what you're interested in doing. In fact, looking for a job altogether can be defined by find the right company first, then the right companies. There'll be a few, but track them, follow them, start following them on LinkedIn, follow some of their, some of their executive team. The ones that can tell, you can go to their page and see who's active on LinkedIn. They have recent shares or recent things that they've shared in their feed. Do that and just consume it. When you're laying in bed before you go to sleep, uh, a lot of people say, put down your phone. I don't do that. That's when I catch up on the news late at night and early in the morning. Read about your areas of interest. Bookmark things that you can't read now, but you want to read later. I've texted PDFs to myself and say, oh, I want to, this looks really interesting. I'll download it and then I'll throw it into my text. And later I'll read it when I'm on my phone, maybe eating some food or whatever, I'm eating a meal. Find ways to connect with that interest. And it doesn't mean a big jump. You don't have to jump ship. And at the executive level, it is a little harder because you are, people see you as having arrived. You're a leader, right? But people also recognize when you're doing what you love. And you can see it in people's faces. And this brings me to my third point. And this is really critical. And it's taken me a while and many detractors to realize that this is the way. Be yourself. Bring all of who you are to the table. And you don't have to be someone like me. I have a lot of energy. I love it. I have so much energy. It's just me. But not everybody likes that. Not everybody likes to work with that. Not everybody wants to handle all that. And that's okay too, right? Find people who really love who you are and let those people nurture you as you come along your journey. Share it with people. Share it on LinkedIn. Share it on Twitter, wherever it is that you you do your social because others, you'll connect with others who are on that same journey. They'll like a tweet and say, I've gotten DMs saying, you really inspired me today. And we do that for one another, like without even realizing it, right? So be yourself. I'm someone with a lot of energy. If you're more of a quiet person, that's great too. We need everybody. We need everybody. The best teams I've been on have been the most diverse yes. teams. And by diversity, I mean worldview. How do they think? What are their educational experiences? What do they think about how things sh- should be, shouldn't be? What was their cultural upbringing and worldview? How do they identify? What's their gender identity? All of these things, and research shows it, the more diversity in a room, in all these different ways, in neurodiversity even, all of that, those teams that have the most diversity, they perform better. They have higher revenues. They perform better against the competition. I mean, I could pull out three or four McKinsey studies. Boston Consulting Group has done a few studies on this. So I would say when you find yourself in an organization where everybody's starting to look the same. It's a problem. There's trouble brewing. Yeah. And sometimes leaders don't know it. I've actually raised it with leaders before to say, hey, we got a problem here. Look around. And they listened. So sometimes it happens without trying to make a mistake. It just just happens that way. It's blind spots. We all have them. But be yourself and don't let anybody tell you that you need to be some other way to succeed because you just don't. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation. I want to summarize your three key points as it pertains to career changes. One, curiosity is your North Star. Two, connect with an expert in your field of interest. And three, be yourself beautiful advice. And it brings us to the final segment of the day, which is the rapid reveal. So speaking of be yourself, we're going to dive into you a little bit more. 
We do this in every episode. It's five questions. You have 60 seconds or less to answer each. Are you down and are you ready? I'm down and I'm ready. I, I tend to be verbose. I'm effusive and verbose, so I'm going to be quick. I know this is going to be a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge for all of us, right? Like anybody who's passionate, they're like, what? Just one minute? And these are deep too. So yeah, they are. They with are. A challenge. Okay. I love it. I love it. So one, if you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice, what would it be? And how old are you in this scenario? So I would be in middle school and I think I would be about 12. So middle school is great when you're about sixth, seventh grade. And I would tell myself, don't worry about what other people think about you oh. because it's going to hold you back. Just focus on you. What other people think about you is none of your business. Yeah. And it can hurt your feelings and that's okay, but don't let it stop you. That's right. Let's keep going. Keep going. Yeah. I love it. Number two, what's an irrational fear of yours? I have a fear of being left behind. Oh, ever since I was little from a big family and I'm one of five kids and I'm the fourth. So <laughs> I'm always trying to catch up like the little duckling and that's okay too, right? Like I've started to embrace that again. When you're 50, you've seen around a few corners, right? So oh, yeah. that's something that I've learned. I am afraid of that, but I'm conscious of it. Okay. I love it. Number three, what's your biggest pet peeve? Exclusion. Mm. When people exclude other people, and make them feel like they're not part of a group. It's more than a pet peeve, it's a real frustration. And every single one of us has value. And as we talked about, the best teams are diverse. All right, number four. Right. Good luck doing this one in less than 60 seconds. Right. Tell us about a pivotal moment in your life. I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. <gasps> ever since I was a little I girl. I did stand-up comedy, I, it's great. Did you? Terrifying, but I did it. This, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, I entered the North Carolina's Funniest Person Contest <gasps> at a local comedy club. And this was after I'd done comedy. I did a little set of a storytelling set in Chicago at the Savoy before I did it. So I, one of my friends invited me out and did it. But I made it to the semifinals in this NC's Funniest Person. And after that, I just wasn't afraid to fail. I mean, even if I hadn't made it to the semifinals, when I walked off that stage, I was like, I did it. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you would make an amazing comedian. Maybe when you can start your life again at 60 and be like, and now right? I'm a comedian. I travel the world yeah. and I make people laugh. Why not? I love it. I could be 70 and be a comedian if I wanted yeah. to. Be, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Amazing. And number five, if you could spend two hours doing anything in the world, what would it be? I would work with someone who believes that they can't do something oh. and teach them how to do it. Oh. This is the most for me, it's, I've had people do this in my life where I'm like, I can't do this. And all they had to say was, keep at it. You can do this. Come on. I'll show you. Come on. You got it. And that's what it takes is someone there. But once you see something that you can do that you didn't think you can do, nothing can stop you. Nothing. Damn, Nanette, that was a good answer. I wasn't ready for that. was a good answer. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, I love good. it. Well, like I said to everybody, you're going to want to spend more time with Nanette. So where can people go to not only find and connect with you, but also learn about your company? How do our listeners find you? Oh, it's so great. So find me on Twitter. I'm at Nanette George. So N-A-N-E-T-T-E-G-E-O-R-G-E. -E -E -E. I'm on LinkedIn. Also Nanette George. Find me and you'll see that the picture's the same on both sides. And yeah, that's probably the best place to find me. I like Twitter. I'm on Reddit, but I'm more of a listener. And yeah, that's probably the best place to connect up with me. And if you're interested to connect with me, do it on LinkedIn. Find me. It's Nanette George and connect with me or ping me and I'll write you back. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being such an incredible guest on Taking the Lead. We appreciate you Aww. being here. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was such an honor to be here. And I, I hope that it's helpful to people listening. Yeah. Yes. And we'll catch you all next time. Have a good one, everybody. This episode was brought to you by Sales Assembly. For more information about membership or our free 60-day trial, visit us at salesassembly.com. And if you like what you just heard, please subscribe to Taking the Lead on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a review. It really helps people find the show. Thanks for listening.